Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Betches Media presents the Betches Brides podcast a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed. Because after all, it's only one day of your life. Hello and welcome back to Betches Brides. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Nicole Pellegrino. And today we are so excited to be back this week because this episode you all have been asking us for for so long. And we finally found the perfect guest to speak to this topic because as you guys know, you know, Jordana and I, we love weddings. We love our own weddings, but we're not like, you know, 100% wedding experts. We feel like we are these days because all we do is plan our weddings and talk about them. But we found an even better expert to talk about budgeting for your wedding and saving money. Her name is Jeffra Trumpower. She's the Senior Director of Creative Marketing at Wedding Wire. So needless to say, she does all of the wedding expertise stuff over at Wedding Wire. We love it. Um, they, you know, they're a great resource for wedding stuff, especially when it comes to knowing how much things cost. So welcome, Jeffra. We're so excited to have you. Thank you guys for the warm welcome. I am also very excited about this. This is one of my favorite topics. So I can't wait to get started. Yeah. I feel like the topic of budgets in general is just like, it's such a hard question because there's so many different factors that go into like, it'd be great if it was like, you should, you should spend like, everyone should spend $20,000 on their wedding or something like that. Like, and it could be so much easier that way. But I feel like so much varies based on like customs, like, uh, religion, like geographic area. There's so many different like tr- uh, things that go into like the way that people view how much a wedding should cost. Do you find that also? Yes, we absolutely do. And we're seeing it even more lately in the last few years because couples are personalizing their experience. So it's not as cut and dry as the traditional, hey, here are the 10 things you need for your wedding and here's what you spend on it. It's, mm-hmm. It could be different because mm-hmm. a couple might want to spend a lot of money on food and not a lot of money on their attire or something like that. And so it's not cut and dry anymore. And Jordana, you're exactly right that location is also a huge piece of this. Where you get married is going to be a big part of how much your wedding is going to cost. 
do you think that's like the number one factor that will like like determine how much it's going to I mean, obviously there's there's things that you can spend on all these other things, but like location is that sort of going to be like give you the the ballpark based on the general location that you're talking about? It will definitely be a starting point, but it really goes back to, you know, we actually, let me actually take a step back. This is actually really important. We actually see that 75% of couples are not actually doing any research for their location or the cost of what things might be um, before their wedding. So they don't, they just kind of go into it and say, oh, I'm going to spend $20,000 or here's my budget. Right. And they don't do any research ahead of time. So, you know, and then what we're seeing is that nearly two and three couples have actually seen their budget increase because of that, because they haven't done that research and the research could be location, but again, it could just be, Hey, I really want a balloon wall. And what does that cost? Right. Or I really want a flower arch. What does that cost? And not really understanding, you know, what vendors are going to charge for that, whether it's in that area or just in general. So would you recommend like, the first thing a couple should do is almost like, like if let's say they're starting from like, okay, we got engaged. We're, we're ready to like plan the wedding. Like what is the number, like the first step in doing that? So I would suggest, so wedding wire does have a budget tool, by the way, which is really helpful as a starting point. So if you go in there and let's say you have, let's say you, you think you can spend $30,000, you can actually go in there and it'll show you the breakdown of what you can spend in certain areas. You can start deleting things that you might not want. So there's a good, just overall, Hey, start your research there, figure it, figure out kind of what that breakdown looks like. But it really does also start with your venue because your reception will be the most expensive thing you spend money on when it comes to the catering, your guest count, all of that goes into factors for your reception. So start with your venue. And then you can kind of go from there. Is it true that guest count is one of the biggest things that I mean, that's anytime I've looked anywhere, like how to slash your budget. It's like literally just invite less people because truly at most venues, at least it's you're you're paying that price per head of, you know, whatever the catering cost is and then the open bar, the alcohol. So would you say that guest count is one of those most important factors of like what determines the cost of a wedding? Yes, it is. And that goes into venue too, because if you're going right. to a venue and they can have 400 people and you want to invite 400 people, there's your guest count. If you go to a venue and it has a hundred people, like it kind of, it definitely varies, but guest count is a big part of it. And so when you start with your venue and your caterer, you start to get a better understanding of what that cost per head will be. And then you can back that into, okay, we now know we can invite 200 people or 125 people or whatever you're kind of envisioning. But the, it really all starts with, like you said, Nicole, cost of food, cost of getting there, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. stuff, all of those things. What do you feel like is like the number one thing that people like don't anticipate that winds up adding up that you just like tend to not think about when you're planning out your budget? I do think that that is a big piece of it, which is like food and catering. Um, But it really depends, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier on the personalization piece, it, it depends on what you're going to go spend money on and what you are, what you want that kind of wow factor to be. Is it the decor? Is it your flowers, your attire? You know, you really have to kind of drill down into what are your top three things? Because if you want all 20, you're going to get caught in a budgeting spiral. But if you say to yourself, hey, here are the three things I really, really care about, 
those are typically the areas that might end up costing you more and kind of getting, you know, pushing your budget, but at least you know it ahead of time. That's a really Mm -hmm. good piece of advice. Just like focus on the top three things you care most about. It literally reminded me of trying when you're looking for like a house or an apartment, like you can't have it all. You can't have the perfect location. You can't have at least in New York City. You can't have the washer dryer if you want that location. So you have to like make sacrifices and pick what's most important to you when you're doing the same for your wedding budget. That's that's a really good piece of advice. Um. Would you say you mentioned it with the wedding wire budget tool, like it'll show you the different breakdown and stuff to spend on. Would you say that like there's an average framework of some sort of like you, the average thing you're supposed to spend on is like 5% on flowers or 10% on music or like, is it broken down that way? Or is there sort of any average framework like that? It is actually broken down into percentages because it's based upon the, the, amount of that you put in. So if you're again, like spending 20,000, 30,000, but overall, what doesn't shift is things like 50% of your total budget is going to go into venue, catering, cake, and rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to kind of break it down from there. You know, 12% of your budget should go to photography and videography. So that Ooh. percentage is, is allowing you to kind of see okay, I know that this is how I need to break it down. And the reason we say that too is because it really is like those, those are the foundational pieces of, of the wedding, right? I mean, yes, everything else, wedding attire, flowers and all that stuff is also very important, but obviously you need to have a place and you need to be able to feed people. Um, so I would always say that 50% should be that. I don't have an exact number because again, it depends, but we have seen couples spend around $22,500 average on just their reception. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes sense. Well, I was also wondering because I feel like weddings, there's always, there does seem to be like a premium place in anything wedding related because people tend to be kind of irrational. I think when spending on weddings um, <laughs> compared to other events. So like you, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before where it's like, Oh, a cake. If you tell someone a cake is for like a baby shower versus you tell them it's for, for a wedding, the same cake is like, is more expensive because it's for a wedding. Um, so is there any room for like negotiating in terms you think with vendors or is that considered rude? We do not recommend negotiating with your vendors. And the reason why is because, well, actually let me take, let me take that from the beginning. So this goes back to research and research doesn't just mean looking to find the vendor that you think fits, fits your aesthetic. It's also asking that vendor what goes into their final cost. Because when you start negotiating with a vendor, which is why we don't recommend this, you're then asking them to to basically strip away things that they are also paying for. So think of a florist, for example. A florist actually has to pay for the flowers. They have to actually make the flowers. And then they also have to pay for the electricity for the refrigerator that keeps the flowers um, looking fresh and crisp until your wedding day. So there's all of these factors that go into it. And vendors are usually pretty good about being transparent about what that looks like. So negotiating could just be, hey, I want less flowers. But in terms of their hard costs, it's really not a good idea to start negotiating with them. That's what I've found with like my florist, for example. She's amazing. Um, It's instead of negotiating, it's like, how can we bring this cost down? How can I still pay you what? your rates are what you charge every other client, 
but how can we work to bring these costs down? Do I need the flowers on the ceiling? No, that's not as important to me. Do I need, or can we reuse some of these flowers? I know uh, that's a big tip I've heard with flowers specifically. It's like that, I think, and I've heard that too. It's like some vendors do get um, just frustrated with clients when they say like, when they try to actually negotiate and say like, no, just charge me less. It's like, instead, maybe try to um, just work with them and see like what else you can do and what you can take away to be able to pay less, but still pay what they charge you, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it goes into like, for example, flowers are very easy to talk about when it comes to budgeting, because if you are going for a flower that's out of season and they have to ship it from somewhere else in the world, maybe talk to them about what flowers are in season and what might be a good alternative if the cost initially is too expensive. So there might just have to be a little bit of um, sacrifice in terms of what you are actually wanting for that. But your florist is someone who's going to work with you to make sure that it's still going to look beautiful um, just within your budget. Right. And then like um, we get a lot of questions about tipping because I feel like there's so much uncertainty or like there's not a lot of streamlined knowledge about that. So how, how like does that vary again based on location or or is that like there's a standard amount that you should be tipping for every person? There is actually a standard amount. So um, we actually get this question a lot um, and we are one of our articles. It's like the top search article for this because it is a question everyone has. Um, the overall goal here is you should be tipping the people that provide an actual service to you. So for example, hair and makeup, um, you know, caterer, if it's not already included for the wait staff, bar staff, um, ceremony musicians, your DJ, delivery, you know, people that are actually like servicing the actual wedding for you um, that you would tip normally, right? So if you were going to get your hair cut, you usually tip your hairstylist, right? So think of it that way. And I would say tip them the same that you would if you were going to get that service, you know, on a, just a normal day, we do see it's between 15 and 20%. So no, no different than you go to a restaurant and you're kind of tipping that 15 to 20%. So who's um, someone you wouldn't need to tip like, like a florist? Florist and cake bakers, because, you know, they're kind of, that's all of their costs are kind of associated there. Those are the two. Um, and then, you know, optional, that you could do wedding planner, maybe your photographer, videographer, officiant, um, transportation. So those are more optional. Whereas we definitely think that you should be tipping the, the ones that I mentioned earlier. Got it. And is that again, like, uh, cause I mean, I'm having a, an international wedding, so I'm getting married in Mexico. And from, according to my planner, that was like, it, it's done totally differently there. So do you feel like that's like more of a, an American thing? I definitely do mm -hmm. think that it's more of an American thing. I mm -hmm. would look at, if you are doing a destination wedding, always look at certain customs and kind of rules for tipping and what costs is, are associated in that area. Cause it does, it does vary. You go to Europe and tipping is, you know, not as standard. Right. So right. Um, it definitely depends on where you're getting married. Cool. <laughs> Overall, like just, and, and, you know, tipping is one of those things that I feel like you definitely have to factor in. And that's like a hard, you, you have to factor that in. Cause that's only right. And like Jordana said, like we, we've seen every 
type of answer that runs the gamut on tipping. It's like some, some of our audience is like, we have to tip now our vendor, like on top of the whole wedding costs, like we have to now add tip. And it's like, honestly, like, yeah, like you said, they're doing a service for you, especially the ones that are at your wedding the entire day. Like you've got to give them something. So, um, overall, like what can couples expect, expect to spend on a wedding around the size of like 150 ish people. And, and obviously this varies based on areas, but let's say like coastal cities, do you have any sort of range or number of like, what is the cost of that whole wedding? And that includes like the tipping and all those extra things. So maybe, maybe not including like honeymoon. I think of that as a separate thing that is not including in the wedding budget honeymoon and I think of that as separate too yeah <laughs> okay yeah it's a, so we do we do actually look at it um as including the engagement ring to the actual reception and then honeymoon is is oh. somewhat different um okay but I will say that's a really tough question to answer because right. it really depends on what you're going to spend money on because a 150 person wedding in your you know family's backyard where you're hiring caterers to come in versus maybe like 100 150 person wedding at a you know skyrise place in New York City Oof. you're talking about apples and oranges right <laughs> so there is no standard and that's what i and, and that's what's frustrating for couples right because right. there is no standard you know we come out with the average cost of a wedding every year within our wedding report but we don't, you know, that's just based on information we're getting from couples across the entire country. We know averages in specific areas, but it, there isn't a, hey, this is the average cost of 150 people because it it really just depends. Right. Right. And I know I, I think too, like, like you said in the beginning, it's like, do your research before. I mean, I know from my personal experience, we were like, okay, we live up in this area. Let's look at the beautiful city venues. And we we're just like, <laughs> I mean, we can't afford that. We just can't. So we went right. home to the eastern shore of Maryland um, to do that back home because it was more affordable. Wait, I'm from the eastern shore of Maryland. Where okay, are you wait. getting married? <laughs> Annapolis, Maryland, which isn't really eastern shore, but near it. I'm from Salisbury, but Annapolis. Where are oh you my from? Gosh. I grew up in St. Michael's and Easton. Oh, oh, literally right there. Literally, right? And right they have beautiful there. venues too. Easton, Tidewater Inn. My cousin just got married there and it's gorgeous. Yes. We got oh married at the Oaks in Royal Oak. Oh my God, that's such a small world, Nicole. Oh, small world. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> this is now an ad for the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get married there in that area? Yeah, we got married at a B&B in Royal Oak. Um, and gorgeous. yeah, it's such a beautiful part of the world. I loved growing up there. It really is. And it's a, and I, yeah, it is. And I will plug it to say it's also a beautiful place to get married. So is Annapolis. <laughs> it's true. It really um, is. What do you feel like is the most expensive? Did you, I mean, I'm sure you guys have done research on this too. And like, what is, what is the most expensive city to get married in? New York is up there. So is LA. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, in, in all fairness, some of these smaller metros like Nashville, or mm -hmm. Charleston or Savannah that, you know, they have beautiful venues and um, they can also get expensive. But when you're talking about just overall costs, New York and LA are, are definitely up there um, with Dallas and Houston kind of falling in suit too. Right. Do you find that people um, like can, 
do save money on because when I was, I mean, I'm pl- again, like I said, I'm planning a destination wedding, but it's actually, I don't feel like saving me as much as I thought it would be because, you know, you invite everyone <laughs> to everything <laughs> and all, you know, there's a lot, like there's more events that you have to invite more people to, even if there are yeah. less guests overall. I would not say that destination weddings are less expensive than having a, a you know, local wedding or somewhere, you know, even in a city because mm-hmm. there are a lot of costs associated with it. The travel, the, you know, and it just depends again, where you're getting married and kind of where that destination is. Um, but we, it's, it is interesting because it also depends on how many people you're inviting. If you're saying, Hey, right. I'm just going to have a 50 person wedding and we're going to fly to Hawaii totally different right. than I'm going to have the same size wedding that I would have had if I had had it, you know, where I live or where I grew up. Well, and with destination, I'd imagine it's tougher to be as scrappy. Like I see some brides that are having local weddings that are going to Ikea and getting 180 tea lights and jars and spray painting the jars and making obviously like with destination, if you're flying somewhere, it's harder to like do that unless you're going to pay for the shipping costs to do that. So it's probably tougher for like the DIY brides who are doing some DIY decor and stuff to save money that way. Yeah, that is very, very true. A very valid point. Um, there is less of the, you know, drive everything kind of there, you know, right. or you can ship it, but <laughs> that also gets expensive internationally. Yes, right? it does. Yeah. <laughs> Jordana's like, well, well, there goes that. Plan. No, but I mean, it's it, it's definitely uh, I think the, the cost can be like different. It's obviously like there is travel, not just for you, but right. um, for other people. Yeah, but I think if you can get it smaller than probably more so. But again, there is the consideration of like all the other hosting that you're doing yeah. when you're asking someone to travel for a weekend. Yeah, exactly. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Jeffra, what would you recommend? We had a ton of questions being like, okay, so, you know, I can't splurge on everything, every single vendor, every single aspect of my wedding. What would you recommend couples splurge on versus what can they cut costs on? Can they, you know, do somebody asked about silk flowers instead of real flowers that, for example, like, what are some things like that? So that goes back to my rule of three. So you should pick the three things you want to splurge on. And I say that because 
if you really want the food and the beverage to be outstanding, right? Like you want top shelf, you're going to serve steaks and, you know, everyone gets to pick their entree and that's your thing, then you should splurge on that. Don't skimp out if food is your thing. Um, if you really want, you know, your flowers to your point, like if the flowers are something that you really want to splurge on or then you should do it. And that decor is like that element. Mm -hmm. Um, the areas though, that we really do recommend, you know, don't skimp out on is definitely the food and beverage, right? Um, you know, you have people coming in from all over the country for this big wedding day for you and whatever that splurge means, right? I'm not saying it's, you have to spend X amount of dollars on food, but make sure that it, it hits a certain threshold. Um, mm -hmm. And then I would also say your photography and videography, you know, don't skimp on that either. Right. We, we joke all the time about, you know, um, couples that, you know, say, well, I'll just have, you know, so-and-so video, you know, videotape my wedding. Don't go that route. <laughs> if you want <laughs> yeah. a video of your wedding, hire a professional, um, yeah. hire a professional to do your photos. Um, just remember that they, that the wedding industry has these professionals for a reason. Um, and so I, I really, I do say this a lot and it's not to, to, you know, to ask people to spend more money. It's just make sure you're spending it on the things that you really, really care about. Right. Jordana, what's your three? What are my three things? Your big, um, your big three. I would say like music, even though I'm having a DJ, like a really good DJ was mm -hmm. very important to me. Um, and like, I think like, well, mine was locate. I think it was location. That's why we did it. Like we did a destination on the beach. What, what do you think? That was my third. I don't know. What's my third. <laughs> I feel like your food's going to be good. Right. The food's good. Mike cares about the food. Mike cares about the food. So the food, the food's, the food's up there too. Yeah. I feel like if you're supplying open bar, that counts like as that you're splurging. Like and oh, most yeah, premium open counts. bar. We it were does. definitely into that, so that yes. people aren't super hungover. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say we definitely uh, splurged on the band and the dress. I forgot about the dress. The dress I spent a lot of money on. <laughs> See, I like didn't as much as I could have. I don't know, whatever. But um. The dress wasn't as important, but now I'm getting a second look. So yeah, whatever. Now I guess I am. Um, <laughs> yay. No, yeah. I think I think that's a great rule because you really, like you said, you can't prioritize everything. And like, I also think when you do make those choices, then it makes it like, oh, it, the wedding is going to represent us. So it's not like not everyone has to has to choose the same two or three things to really like prioritize, but it'll also feel more like authentic to you as a couple, as opposed to like, well, everyone spends on flowers. So I want to spend on flowers. But if you're like, we as a couple don't really, that's not like our vibe. Then I think it, then those are usually the best weddings when you're like, oh, this feels like the couple who we're celebrating. Yes. And that's where couples are going. It's there's, I don't want to say tradition is out the window, but couples are recreating their own traditions and they're bringing in, you know, whether it is your religious background or your cultural background or the fact that you met at a winery, whatever that little piece that, you know, you want to bring into your wedding, that's what couples are really making sure that that is what they splurge on. For so, sure. it, you know, that's what feels like their day. Right. But I'm glad we are setting expectations for people. Like weddings are not free <laughs> and they're not cheap. Like that's one thing I've learned throughout Betch's Brides and throughout my own wedding. And even like with the elopements becoming more popular, I'll get a bunch of DMs from the audience being like, how come I'm eloping, but I'm still paying $10,000 for this? And I'm like, or 
and I guess it's like even this, not elopements, but smaller weddings, like the micro weddings and stuff. And it's like, that's because like, it's, you're still hosting and throwing an event and it's still like something that, you know, it's costs money and it's unless I feel like the cheapest option, like if you're like, look, we don't want to spend any money. Courthouse, Courthouse, (laughs) baby. Get And then even then you'll, you'll want to get a cute look. I mean, life, life ain't cheap and life ain't free. That's one. (laughs) But um, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, when, for me personally, when I'm going through like budgeting or what to spend or what not to spend, it's very like, I get very torn because there's almost like two, you know, an angel and the devil on my shoulder. And in one place, it's like, it's one day it's going to be over. Like, there's no reason to spend this. Like, it doesn't matter that much. And then on the other side, it's like, well, this is like, hopefully your one wedding mm-hmm. and like, you know, you do like, it's okay to like, want it to be, to look and think a certain way. So I do think there's like that, you know what I mean? There's a dichotomy of, is this absurd versus like, um, this is like a once in a lifetime event that like you should, that should be special and, and you should put a decent amount of money towards. Yeah. And it, it definitely, it, it, you're exactly right. And that's why you want to spend it on the things that you're going to look back on and say, wow, I'm so glad that we did that. And instead of saying, oh man, why did we spend so much money on, you know, whatever that piece is because it, you know, differs on couple, but you, it's no different than looking at the future of your life and thinking about your finances and what you, you and your significant other want to spend money on in the future. Is it buying a house? Is it, you know, what is, what are your investments moving forward? And I do think your wedding is an investment in the few, you know, you're the next step of your life, but you want to be able to look back on it and be like, yes, I did spend the money in the right way. Right. And I think when you're deciding those things, cause Jordana, I feel the same exact, I mean, catch me on one week. I'll be like, weddings are ridiculous. Why am I even doing this? I <laughs> right. don't need a photo booth. Catch me the next five seconds. And I'll be like, photo booth. Yes. Need it now because it's like, (laughs) I go back and forth. And I think like what, when I really like, I need to like level myself sometimes and be like, why do I want this? Do I want this for show? Because the whole Betches Brides audience is expecting me to have this (laughs) celebrity wedding or I do, I want it because it's important to Mike and I, and it is something that we would look back on and enjoy and like to look back. So I don't know. It's just like you have to, we always say, get to the why of like why you're making this decision or why you're doing this. And um, I mean, most cases it's like, because I don't know, it's for both really. Like, let's get real. The wedding industry, it's become with social media. It's because it's just become a big charade. Jeffrey, do you feel like social media? um, I'm not sure how long you've been like in the wedding game, but do you feel like with social media, like, it has shifted what like weddings entirely and the way people are budgeting and like, are they, are the people spending more on things that look good on Instagram as opposed to things that they actually care about? Or do you feel like that's not really the case? So I actually started in the wedding industry 12 years ago when Instagram did not exist. Pinterest <sighs> did not exist. And everything was done through Facebook and Twitter. And like at that time, I think like Vivo or something, I don't even know. But so it's been very interesting to see that shift because when Pinterest came out, there was a huge shift in the expectations. And we're seeing that across all celebrations, you know, because we have other, um, we, we look at that and say, okay, well, what are people doing about birthday parties or anniversaries or, you know, baby showers, things like that. But it has 
leveled the expectation to a point where people do want to make sure that their wedding is Pinterest worthy or pin worthy or feature worthy. I mean, back in the day, there were so many blogs out there that were featuring real weddings. I mean, that's on wedding wire. That's how we started our inspiration. We were building out a blog and inspiring people that way. And now with Instagram, it's even, you have a double edge, you know, between Pinterest and Instagram, couples are seeing things and they want that. And that's also going back to the budget conversation. There's not the expectation of what they're seeing and what that reality is once they actually go to buy it, how much it costs. Right. Yeah, totally. Or even like how probably like something could look good on Instagram and then not actually be that great. I, it was I think I had this discussion with my planner about like sparklers where I was like, you know, I saw something on Pinterest or on Instagram with like the cool like sparkler exit and everyone's holding it. And she's like, yeah, like it looks great in the picture, but it's actually really annoying to execute. And like, it usually comes out kind of weird and like people burn their heads. So like, and their hair and their dresses. Right. And- yeah. <laughs> so it's like very Instagram versus reality kind of thing. It and is. I think there's, there's probably a lot of things that are like that. There's a lot, and it comes with also even some of the DIY projects and things that we do see people saying, oh, I can do that. Let's right. be realistic about what you actually can do and whether you, you know, you can build the structure that you're going to get married under, you know, um, because a lot of people also see that and they're like, oh, well, that couple did it. I can do it too. Um, it, it, it's not to say that it hasn't been a wonderful experience for us to, that that much wedding inspiration is being shared across the universe. Cause it is, it's a fantastic outlet for vendors to show their skill set too. So I don't want to make it sound like social has done bad things for, you know, expectations. Cause in some ways it actually has also given another platform for the experts and the field to really show how it can be done. Right. I think that's important to remember though. It's like, you know, get inspired by anything and everything, follow the wedding TikToks and everything, but it's like also still trust your experts because they, they are professionals. They've been doing this. That's, and that's something like with planning my own wedding, I've found that I'm leaning on my vendors a lot. I'm like, you guys have planned a wedding before. I haven't. So like, tell me you're the experts. Tell me what I'm supposed to do with next steps for getting this, making this happen, that kind of thing. Yeah. Especially right now, you know, as we're coming, you know, we're seeing weddings come back to life after the last year, all last year, we just kept saying, go talk to your vendors. They're the experts. They're going to know all of the answers to your questions. Um, right. And I say this in my real life, but I say it to also when we're talking to couples, having open, honest, and transparent conversations with your vendors will definitely be the best advice I can give you because as long as everyone's on the same page, then you don't have to deal with like five days before the wedding being like, Oh my God, what about this? Or why didn't this happen? Or why did this cost so much? Right. Right. Do you, do you have an opinion on like, uh, on, on planners and that do you re- in like in that vein, do you recommend having a planner? Do you feel like that would be, that's worth the cost for a lot of people? I do. If you can afford a planner, definitely get one. You don't need, um, you know, it depends on what you need, but planners have like most of them have up to six different packages you can look at. So if you want someone that's literally helping you from the day one until, you know, the, through your honeymoon, great. But you can also get someone that just shows up the day of and helps organize it for you and make sure that like, you don't have to worry about anything 
they will take care of it for you. There's also venues that uh, offer those services. Like they have a coordinator on staff or a planner on staff too. But if you can afford it, absolutely get a planner because then you're not trying to scramble to figure out all the answers to your questions or if something goes wrong, oh my gosh, what do I do? They're the expert and they have the answer for you. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I just had one more question about um, like spending or like making those early in the game decisions. And I, I kind of thought this, but it might just be like anecdotally on my end. So I was wondering if you, you thought it was like an actual trend where if you're, if you want to like save some money to find a venue that has like more things already included in what they're offering um, versus like renting out an empty space that you then have to bring everything in for and, and get caterers for. So this is a, it depends situation. And I have a scenario to kind of explain why. Um, there was a couple who wanted to have their wedding out on a, a beautiful ranch in Colorado. And they um, brought, they thought, you know, okay, if they, if I can bring everything in, then, you know, it'll be easier and I can actually keep those costs down. Cause I'm going to pick the caterer that's actually going to be more affordable for, or within my budget and all, and the decor and all of that, Mm -hmm. it ended up being more expensive because depending on where you're getting married and what that transportation looks like, and what are you actually having them bring in? And Hey, what about the food? Is there a kitchen there? Or do they have to pre-make all the food and then bring it and keep it heated? And all of those factors come into play. So when it comes to an all-inclusive venue, yes, you are paying the costs that are hard cost, but they are hard costs. And so you know what you're getting, you know what that looks like. So it really just, it it goes back to, it depends, you know, if you really want that, you know, unique venue, you, it may cost more to get there, but it really, but in theory, you, there is something to be said about an all-inclusive venue that just says, here's the cost for X, Y, and Z. Oh, you want package silver? Great. This is what it's going to cost per head. Right. And then I feel like especially I mean, it's also like like kind of like you said about um, the other things that you're prioritizing. It's kind of like knowing yourself, knowing, you know, not only like the DIY stuff, but like, you know, I mean, am I someone who like really feels like they want they're like a type A planner and they can like pull this off by bringing all these vendors and coordinating and logistically getting everyone together? Or am I someone who could probably benefit from something that's a little bit more streamlined? And I think only only you as a bride will know that about, you know, how much skill you have in that department. Yeah. And you and the best part about that, and that's a very, very, very good point, is if you are kind of doing it a la carte, you may be working with vendors that haven't worked together before. um, And they're all kind of coming together to work together for the first day, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying don't do that, but that is a different day coordination than, Hey, I'm going to an all-inclusive venue and everybody's worked together and everything's good to go. Right. I think it's so, so important to consider that. Um, and I feel like, I mean, I wish we had, I wish I, we we had had you on before I started planning my wedding. I've only got a few months left to implement all these tips. (laughs) It's okay. It's still going to be great. It's still going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's funny. I was like, especially with the, the destination thing, it's like just a totally different, um, 
budgeting thing than I thought <laughs> well, it would be. It's, a, it's also just different based upon the year. I mean, I got married 13 years ago and I wish I had worked in the wedding industry before I got married and knew all of these things. <laughs> right. You <laughs> always find the, out. Yeah. <laughs> and that, but, you know, it, it all worked out in the end. So you'll be just fine. Don't worry. Yep. Exactly. But thank you so much for coming on. I feel like Nicole, to be, to be, did we cover everything? I feel like we asked, we got a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions. Um, honestly, I have one more question that literally everybody's been asking. It's very specific and random, but everyone's been asking this because I think it's like a trend people are seeing people do. Um, and then we might have to do more with you, Jeffra, because we still will we'll forever have questions. But this yes. one is... Um, Okay. A lot of people are asking the cake because a lot of people, they think the cake is like overrated. Wedding cakes are out. I don't know. I still love a wedding cake. Personally, I'm doing one, but a lot of people are asking, is it? I'm asking that too. Okay, cool. (laughs) I don't don't know either. Selfishly, we're asking, um, is it smarter to do a small cake to cut? And then do you put a sheet cake in the back of the kitchen and just serve people that and make it way cheaper? So, so the short answer is <laughs> a cake baker still has to make the cake, right? So it goes back to those hard costs of like how much cake they actually have to make and their time to actually make it. However, it is cheaper to go with a smaller cake that they have to decorate versus a five-tiered cake that they're decorating. So there is costs, cost savings associated with saying, hey, let's just do the mini cake and then do a sheet cake that's in the back, right? Um, So, but with that being said, you have to also remember that like if you're adding flowers and fondant and different decorations on it and things like that, it's going to put the cost up. So, it's a really great question, you know, and it goes back to things like, and I know you had people asking about like greenery, is that cheaper than flowers? The answer yeah. is yes. It's a very similar question to the cake question. Yes. If you do eucalyptus down the center of your, you know, b- banquet table with no flowers, that will likely cost less than if you say, I want peonies and garden roses and eucalyptus and all of the above down the center. Um, right. So there are definitely things that cost less. um, And that's where, you know, going to your vendor and saying, hey, I'm having 200 people. Can I have a mini cake and then a sheet cake for 200 people? And they're going to say, yes, this is what it's going to cost versus X, Y, and Z. It's a great question. That's what I've found, like, for any of these things with any of my vendors, like, I'll go to them. They know I'm trying trying to do budget friendly things here. Like <laughs> uh, I make it known. And then I'm like, is there any, like, what can, how can I still work with you, but do it more cost effectively? I just want to see all my options laid out. Can like with the music for the ceremony, for example, I'm like, how much does, you know, a keyboardist for cocktail hour costs versus having my band guy just like DJ the cocktail hour with an iPad. I mean, not iPad. What am I? 89 with a, uh, <laughs> Spotify I don't know, yeah. playlist <laughs> with an iPad. I sound I like, know, like, like I do iPads still exist. Do they still? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, not for this, but um, yeah. So it's just, I think that's a good general tip. Just like talk to your vendors and tell them what your budget is and see if they can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. The only, I have two quick ones. I know we're running out of time, but there are two really important ones that I just wanted to just touch upon before we wrap up budget that I think will be important for people to hear, which is um, when it comes to what you're spending and who's paying for what, have those conversations 
literally on day one. So if your parents have offered to pay, make sure that everyone's very specific about what they're going to pay for, what that looks like and what it's going towards. Um, so th- that's my, no- my number one, which is always have the financial conversation up front with whoever's contributing. Um, and also what you can contribute, because we are seeing that more couples are one in four couples right now are actually paying for their whole wedding, which we've, you know, hadn't seen that in the past. So making sure that you know what you're, you can financially afford. And then the last one is, you know, I said this earlier about making sure the experience is really good for your guests, but your three things should be all about you. The one thing that we hear from couples that they regret spending money on is because X, Y, and Z said that, oh, well, guests will really want that. And they went and spent money on it and they regretted doing it because it wasn't a reflection of who they were or who they are as a couple. So those are my two last kind of like, hey, make sure your finances and all the people paying for it are in check. And then, you know, make sure you're spending the money on the stuff that you want to spend money on because at the end of the day, it's your day. I think that's great advice. Definitely goes in line with, you know, the other advice that we've given. But I think specifically for budgeting, when there's so many things that you can spend money on, I think that's really, really good advice because it'll like sort of help focus you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so, so much. This was literally so helpful. Like Jordana said, I wish we had you on, um, you know, this time last year before our... our weddings plan. But I think we've been good for the most part with, I mean, again, we've both been, we've both we've been, been checking each other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you have each other and you have resources like wedding wire that you can use. And they, you know, we, we try to be there for, for everyone to make sure that it works out in the long run. So great. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to have you do a takeover for any of the other like smaller yeah. Smaller questions. I would love, love, love to come back and answer questions. It would be wonderful. Yes. We have a lot of rapid fire ones that we'll definitely have you do a takeover with. Um, But where can people find you and find, you know, all, all your resources? Yes. So go to weddingwire.com where we have all of our planning tools, all of our vendors, everything you need to plan your wedding day. Um, And you can also find me on social media at Jeff Richard Power on Instagram, where you'll see some, you know, inspiration here and there, but feel free to always reach out if you have questions for me too. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you again so much, Jeff for joining us. And after the break, we'll be right back with Unpopular Opinions. Okay. Now it's time for unpopular opinions brought to you by High Noon Hard Seltzer. Some of these opinions might be unpopular, but you know what's really popular? High Noon Hard Seltzer with flavors like pineapple, black cherry, watermelon, grapefruit, peach, lime, mango, and passion fruit. They've got you covered for whatever occasion, be it your batch party, bridal shower, cocktail hour, you name it. And our first opinion for today is you don't have to do a first dance if it makes you uncomfortable. What do you think? This one's tough because, you know, first dance is one of those staple things in a wedding. Um, I I don't think you have to do anything at your wedding, that, especially if it makes you feel uncomfortable. So I would agree with this statement. But I think there's alternatives to a first dance. Like if the slow dance isn't your vibe, you can always do happy, like a uh, happy upbeat dance. It can be, you know, that first dance can kind of look like anything. It doesn't have to be your typical first dance. Right. Well, this is a great opportunity to talk about um, someone 
very special that that Nicole and I are both going to be using to help us with that first dance. I personally am like have no coordination at all. And so this is something that I've been a little anxious about also, which is probably why I'm I'm going to do a slow dance for that reason, because I feel like it requires less like moves. <laughs> but we're both working with Maya moves yes. um, and she's going to teach us the basics so that we don't embarrass ourselves. Yep. Um, so we'll let you guys know how that goes. Um, but I also, I definitely, I agree that you don't have to do one, but I also think like, kind of like, I guess almost the opposite of what you said in that, like, I feel like a slow dance is easier. You kind of just like sway. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I like mean, the up, if there's too much upbeat, I feel like, oh, I have to like do something crazy. Right. I feel like I've seen some people do like a more upbeat song and there it's just the couple coming out on the dance floor to dance for like a quick part of it. And then they have everybody join them because they don't want to be like the center of attention totally stared at. Cause I do agree. Like first dances can be quite, um, can be awkward when there's yeah. like people staring, <laughs> especially like, if you're silently. not like a natural dancer. But I also right. agree with what you just said in terms of like, you can also do like, okay, we're going to do like 90 seconds, just us. And then they'll invite everyone else to join us on the dance floor. So it's not right. like a whole three, four minute song, a whole production. We don't need that. Yeah. So 87% of our audience agreed that you don't have to do a first dance if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Okay. What's the next one? Next one is it's actually considerate to tell friends straight up if they are not in the wedding party. I disagree with this. I think it's very presumptuous of you to even think that someone wants to be in your wedding party. So I feel like that's like an unnecessary, slightly rude thing to do, like to tell someone like, by the way, like you are not like um, you're not a bridesmaid. Like to me, doesn't that seem really rude? I'm very surprised I, so many people agreed with this statement. People are going to like give me shit for agreeing with you because everybody says all I do is agree with Georgia. <laughs> But okay. I agree. I okay. I think if they ask, like, if you're not planning on putting a friend in, and they ask, like, "Hey, am I in your wedding?" I think then it's considerate to tell them straight up and be like, "Look, no, I," and tell them the reason. Be nice about it, whatever. Totally. But if they don't ask, like, no, I don't think you have to go out of your way to be like, hey, you're not in the wedding party. Just like, so you know, <laughs> right. It's like telling people that they're not invited to your wedding. Would you tech? Would you like go out of your way to tell someone that they're not invited to your wedding? Unless no, they didn't ask. No, like, no, I think that's weirder. Right? We do get questions being like, my I think my friend thinks she's going to be. Should I go to her and tell her? And I'm like, no, unless she asks, you're going to make it weirder. <laughs> like, right. She might be on the same page as you. Right. Too. You I'm never like, know. Oh, yeah. I don't think that like you need to have that confrontation unless the person is offended by it. Right. So and, many and, of, and confronts you. So yeah. many of my friends are like, avoiding this awkwardness and doing what you're doing. Like a lot of my friends that are getting engaged now, they're like, I'm not having bridesmaids just because they're like, I, I don't feel like doing all that. <laughs> so, a lot of people don't have bridesmaids. I totally get it. I really just love the idea of like people walking down the aisle and like being part of your wedding in that way and like getting ready with you. True. 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 Which is all it seems like to be to me really at the end of the day. True. true. But I totally get not wanting them either. Yeah. It is like um, a lot of like female drama. It's just a lot, but you know, to teach their own 68% of our audience agreed that it's agreed with this, that it's considerate to tell friends. I was so surprised by that. 
Wow. Yeah. Same. I think it's like if they ask, it's considerate. If not. Oh, yeah. But who would ask? I would never ask. I don't know. (laughs) You never know. There's some crazies out there. Yeah. All right. The last one is wearing sneakers under your dress is chuggy. Um, I mean, maybe, but like, who cares? Right. Also, the new thing is that saying the word chuggy and calling something chuggy is chuggy. So yes, I've heard that too. So it's like you can't really win with the chuggy with the chugginess. I think it's I think doing whatever you want to do is not chuggy. So if you want to wear sneakers. I agree. I don't think it's I I'm going to bring some sort of shoes. I don't know what yet. Actually, probably should figure that out because my wedding's in a month. Um, I'm going to bring some sort of shoes to wear on a major. I mean, Lord knows I ain't wearing the heels all night. So, um, yeah, I think the most important thing is that you feel like comfortable and like whatever makes you most excited to dance and celebrate. And if that's sneakers, then right. Definitely. I've seen some girls, some brides without like a pair of white Yeezys or a pair of like custom Nike Air Forces or like cool sneakers. And I'm like, honestly, that's far- furthest thing from Chugi, really. Yeah. Well, the audience is very split on this one. Yeah. Which is surprising. 51% of them disagreed that the sneakers under your dress is Chugi, which is a low amount. Chuginess, you can't win. You really you can't, can't lose. With that word, suddenly with the word chuggy, so many things in the wedding world are being deemed as it. And I'm like, I can't. I can't with I mean, chuggy. Weddings are chuggy in right. general. So like, don't you can't spend your whole life trying not to be chuggy. Exactly. That's my opinion on that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, let us know. I mean, I guess you get did just let us know that you disagree that wearing sneakers is chuggy. <laughs> But that was Unpopular Opinions brought to you by High Noon Hard Seltzer with 100 calories, gluten-free, and no added sugar. High Noon is more than a drink. It's a way of life, an attitude, a vibe. Because when the sun's up, there are always good times to be had. I have been to so many pool parties with High Noon this summer, and I love it. It's like a premium hard seltzer. I like that it's made with real vodka. It's made with Uh real juice. And so I know it's just like a step above all the other hard seltzers out there. And to me, I feel like I'm worth it. So I'm into that. What's your favorite flavor, Nicole? You know, I this past weekend, I was sipping on some mangoes and I was really loving them. I was sitting by the pool. It was just the perfect setting. I was an ice cold mango high noon hard seltzer. It was really good. Mike got like a, a full pack of just mango. So I really had no choice, but I was happy with it. But usually I'm very loyal to my favorite, which is watermelon. I love that. I feel like the vision of having a high noon by the pool, like it is summer. It represents summer. It's the epitome. Exactly. And you can find out where to purchase high noon by visiting highnoonspirits.com. And that's it for this episode. We solved weddings yet again. Our guest was amazing. Um, And if we didn't, if if there's any more questions we didn't get to, let us know on social. Maybe we'll have her do a social takeover. For sure. Till death does part. Bye. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Nicole Pellegrino, Sean Kilby, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. 
Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.